Chapter Nine of Making Fate by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine. Poor Ralph. He had his way and took his twelve miles drive, only to discover that the man he had gone to see was miles away from home in another direction. Thoroughly soaked and thoroughly miserable, he reached home somewhere near midnight and went supperless to bed declining almost roughly the choice dishes which mother and sister pressed upon him he could not eat a morsel he declared he had a headache and wanted to be let alone by the next morning it was apparent that he had not only headache but fever a wretched cold kept him an unwilling and irritable prisoner for two days on the third common sense began to assert itself and take him to task for not going to new york as soon as he heard of the call how could he be sure that the opportunity was lost even though he was a few hours behind time the more he thought about it the more he accused himself of folly and finally he resolved to go that very day and learn his fate in person you can explain how it was that you were detained said his father that is if you have anything to explain at least you can state that you have been ill and that is always a reasonable excuse i do not suppose that it will be absolutely necessary in the cause of truth to add that you brought the illness upon yourself it is very unfortunate the whole of it if mr peel is in the least like he was as a young man he will demand promptness and frankness above all things i don't understand the situation very well myself i thought you had grown up my boy all this was very irritating to ralph he was in a condition to be irritated easily he had driven to town that afternoon and spent an hour walking about aimlessly trying to decide whether he should call upon marjorie after the old fashion as if he had run in for a moment's chat as a matter of course before he had determined whether this was the proper thing to be done it was settled while he was still half a block away from her door by seeing marjorie emerge from it and walk briskly down town he crossed the street and followed at such good speed that he overtook her just as she was entering melbourne's store good afternoon he said hurriedly the importance of being in haste if he would not lose her in the vortex inside finally settling the vexed question for him she turned her head much as she might have done if a child had arrested her steps said in her quietest most indifferent tone good afternoon and immediately disappeared among the crowds of people inside the store when before had marjorie edmonds responded thus coldly to greeting of his his indignation returned with violence very well he told himself angrily if marjorie edmonds had decided to break with him merely because he did not obey her orders like a child she was at liberty to do so he would go away at once to new york and stay there if he possibly could forever perhaps at least long enough for her to bitterly repent her treatment of him so it was after all this experience which finally sent him to wait in the office of messrs peel and mcmasters what name did you say sir mr albertson had asked him moving a step nearer with a look of surprise and bewilderment on his face 
now ralph was still in the mood which had been evolved by all the exasperating occurrences of the past few days and could not be expected to be courteous to one whom he regarded as a mere clerk bramlet he said irritably and in a louder tone than was generally used in the office it is a sufficiently uncommon name to be remembered i should think and you are expected do you say certainly i am i have had letters from mr peel and finally a telegram he omitted to state how many days had elapsed since the telegram reached him mr albertson's step was slower than usual and there was a look of undoubted mystification on his face as he made his way toward the private office and waited for admittance there is a young man sir he said hesitatingly when he finally had permission to speak and then he told ralph's story what is all this asked mr peel who had been writing during his clerk's opening sentences he held his pen in the air now and whirled about on his chair for a full view of the speaker's face i have written him does he say and telegraphed him when pray what does it all mean what do you say the name is that is the strange part of it he says his name is bramlett bramlett why i thought that young man had been at work in our office for four or five days and was giving satisfaction isn't that his name i certainly understood so from you he sent in his card if you remember i did not so much as glance at it nor did you but you told me he was the young man you expected and i knew that that young man's name was bramlett you ordered me to set him to work and did he say he had a telegram from me no sir he said nothing to me about telegrams it was you who told me you had telegraphed him and on the strength of that you set him to work without identifying him even by name i'm afraid you would not succeed as a lawyer mr albertson i supposed of course it was bramlett i was not expecting anybody else but it seems we both jumped at conclusions well unravel the mystery in any way you think best are they twins do you suppose no sir i shouldn't say that they were they look and act very unlike and you like the first one and don't the second that is plain i'm afraid you would make a prejudiced juryman mr albertson report whatever results you reach to me i haven't time for details the great man turned again in his chair as the sentence was completed and before the door closed he was writing again mr albertson went back toward the public office more annoyed than he often allowed himself to become he had certainly taken to the new clerk in a way that was unusual for him if he should now discover that it was all a mistake and that this intruder was to have the choice position which had been long watched for by more than one the gray-haired clerk's heart would be sad he preferred the mr bramlett who was now in possession even his chiefs rarely spoke to him in the tone that the intruding bramlett had used that morning instead of returning at once to the main room he turned aside to a small semi-private office and summoning a call-boy directed that the young man who sat at desk number two be sent to him am i mistaken he said in supposing your name to be bramlett yes he was the new clerk's name was burwell 
paul burwell and did you receive a telegram from mr peel the evening before you were called here oh no indeed he had never heard from mr peel by letter or telegram an old friend of his mother's george marshall of kennicott had learned incidentally that there was a possible opening in this office and knowing his extreme anxiety to secure such an opportunity had offered him a letter of introduction to mr peel which mr burwell had delivered to the clerk on the morning of his arrival and had been promptly set at work temporarily in the office he did not state how great had been his surprise and delight at this immediate result matters began to look very serious so far as this faithful worker's prospects were concerned evidently the intruder was the expected mr bramlett who had received letters and telegrams mr albertson was intensely mortified it was the first time in all the fourteen years of his service with the firm that he could be called to account for carelessness there was nothing for it but to repair to his chief with the information which he had gained the unexpected result was that mr peel threw down his pen and summoned ralph bramlett to an immediate interview during which that young man was subjected to a running fire of cross-questions where was he when the telegram arrived what hindered him from making an immediate reply either in person or by wire was he too ill to telegraph poor ralph unused to such close questioning and with a foolish feeling at his heart that he had something to conceal blundered and stammered and contradicted himself about headache and fever and thunderstorms and an all-night absence until mr peel regarded him with suspicious eyes and wondered how much of the story was fact and how much he was composing for the occasion he was left in the private office to consider the matter while mr peel himself strode into the large room to confer with the incumbent of desk number two an experience so unusual as to startle all the clerks in the office the final result was as poor ralph might have known a young man three or four days behind time with such a confused and contradictory account of himself to give could hardly expect consideration at the hands of such business men as messrs peel and mcmasters mr peel recounted as much of the interview as was necessary to his partner afterwards and laughed in an annoyed way as he said so it has come to pass that we who are supposed to be exasperatingly particular in regard to those who come to our office as students and who have at least a dozen estimable young men always watching for our vacancies have established a perfect stranger who was not even heard of until the morning when he presented himself and was set to work fate must have had a hand in that affair perhaps the young man had a hand in making his own fate observed the partner more fate is made by promptness and faithful attention to business than young people dream of where has this other young fellow been during the days which intervened between the telegram and the appearance he doesn't know said mr peel laughing he is the most confused person you ever heard of unless i am more confused than he by his story there was a storm and a ride at night and a headache and a bad cold and he was sick in bed at the same time that he was taking the drive i think 
anyhow matters are hopelessly confused in both our minds albertson takes to the other one and there is no known reason for displacing him when we offered him the place on approval he has given entire satisfaction so far besides i have looked up his letter of introduction and it expresses a great deal in a short space and comes from a high source oh he is probably the one we'll try him anyway i should like to have gratified my old acquaintance bramlett but he couldn't expect business men to wait four days now mr mcmasters i am ready for business if you are when ralph bramlett walked slowly away from the office that morning he had a bitter sense of his own folly how long he had waited for this golden opportunity an assured position in the office of peel and mcmaster was almost as good as being a lawyer oneself it opened the way as no other office did for steady advancement and final success and he had felt so sure of the position so soon as it opened mr peel's letters had been most kind he had remembered his father pleasantly he had promised his personal attention to the matter and had given it and he ralph had thrown it away for the sake of avoiding the passing sarcasms of estelle douglas he hated her when he thought of it even after that he need not have been a fool why had he not taken the first train for new york that next morning and explained in a manly way that he had been absent from home and came by the first train after receiving his call then he would have been in time he knew that he had not done so simply because he had given way to a feeling of being ill-used to a notion that fate was against him and that there was no use in his trying to be anybody but a plodding farmer which was his way of referring to that manly employment when he was in the depths nay even after all the delays why had he told such a confused schoolboy story to the great lawyer what did he care about storms and picnics and colds had he simply said that he had been absent from home when the telegram arrived and later had been too ill to give attention to business he would at least have preserved his self-respect on the whole the young man had a wholesome feeling of self-dissatisfaction he was even willing for the moment to admit that he had been to blame for all his trials that marjorie edmonds was justified in feeling hurt and offended he walked the length of an entire block considering the matter in this light he felt an almost irresistible desire to have marjorie's sympathy at that moment he felt quite certain that she would have sympathy to give if he could call upon her now within the next hour and say first marjorie i want to tell you that i acted like an idiot and a bear the other night i don't know what possessed me or that is not true i do i wanted to save you and myself from the merciless ridicule of estelle douglas and so allowed her to persuade me against my better judgment i want you to forgive me if i had known how much your heart was set upon being at home that night i would not have disappointed you for a thousand douglas girls and then oh marjorie i have failed in the desire of my heart for three years i have been hoping to get in at the great law firm of peel and mcmasters and only that night that fateful night 
they telegraphed me and i was not there to receive it and i have lost my opportunity how certain he was that she would speak gentle encouraging words such as no other could never mind ralph he could seem to hear her voice you know of course that i am sorry ever so sorry but there will be another opportunity soon messrs peel and mcmasters are not the only lawyers in the world and even they may have an unexpected vacancy very soon don't give up heart make up your mind that you will have the place you believe you are fitted for and then watch for it some such words as those he would be certain to hear from her lips he longed for them he believed he would go home and carry out his part of the program so as to ensure hers he took out his timetable and studied it in two hours there would be a return train should he take it he had met estelle douglas in the street the evening before and told her he was going to new york to spend the winter if he returned the very next day how strange it would look to her how many absurd things she could say because of it his face flushed over the thought of her ridicule why had he told her he was going to spend the winter still he need not rush home like a homesick child why not stay and see a little of the city now that he was here no he must get home he could ill afford the money that it would cost to stay he would wait simply for the midnight train that would bring him home in the morning in time for the day's duties the next question was how should he spend the intervening time there was sight-seeing enough for the hours of daylight but there was the evening when evening had fully come he was still considering the question while he walked the street he passed a large plain building which did not look like a church but they were singing inside a hymn which marjorie sang once in the choir at home he paused and was on the eve of entering the door he wanted to hear more of that hymn but he turned on his heel with a half contemptuous smile what an idea to spend his only evening he had for new york in a prayer meeting how would that sound repeated he went instead to a theatre the play was neither of the best nor the worst perhaps the utmost that could have been briefly said of it was that it was weak the hero was an ill-used man a victim of fate which pursued him relentlessly even to the bitter end ralph bramlett followed him breathlessly to that end then came away moody and miserable he listened in vain for the sound of marjorie's voice in encouragement something had hushed it he told himself once more that there was no use in his trying in that wretched young man who tried and failed he saw himself fate was against him even marjorie his friend from childhood had turned coldly away offended over a trifle she might stay offended then he should not apologize what was there for him to apologize about it was she who had given them a wretched fright and put everything awry for the next day poor ralph the being he called fate had gotten possession of him again End of chapter nine